in a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon, viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manassero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manassero, and this is a show where 50 plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no sales pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays, and if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, spelled D A W G S find our podcast and subscribe. Well, this is part two of my interview with Rachel Gainsborough. And um, I am really stoked. Uh, In our first episode, if you didn't catch the first episode, Rachel is a a doctor and uh, she uh, started investing in real estate, uh, started getting into short-term rentals and uh, along the lines of Airbnb. She just kind of 10X'd it, maybe 15X'd it, I think, here, (laughs) and uh, and found out a way to generate up to $2,500 a day in Airbnb rental fees. Now, that's crazy. And that's like a house with, you know, with a lot of bedrooms and in a very nice area, a very nice house. And, um, but uh, this, uh, this has been just absolutely fascinating to hear how she, you know, kind of evolved into this place where now she has uh, 17 luxury short-term rentals and uh, tremendous cash flow. She did all this while working full-time. Um, she's a mom and a wife too, and a real estate coach. So uh, if that's not enough. <laughs> so uh, Rachel, welcome back to the Old Dogs REI Network. Oh my goodness, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. This is super awesome. I'm just so appreciative and grateful that you take the time out. All that energy that it takes to put together a show like this offering so much value. And again, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And uh, I, I'm I'm just uh, not only, you know, is it neat to have somebody on from Haiti because I have such a heart <laughs> for Haiti, but it is just, you're just a, a lovely person and uh, smart as a whip here. So, <laughs> you know, that's why I'm hoping our guests are going to glean a lot from this two-part series here. So I'm going to kind of pick up 
where we left off, you know, um, and I'm going to encourage everybody that's listening, got to catch the first episode. There is so much good information there. You cannot miss it. Okay. Cause we're just going to pick up from where we were. You, you kind of got my uh, mind going uh, after that first interview about uh, the, you know, putting together this amazing portfolio of luxury short-term rentals. And, and can you, just kind of give our audience sort of a, a definition of what a luxury short-term rental is. Yeah, so luxury short-term rental, I know oftentimes uh, individuals who hear that term, they're thinking of millions and millions of dollars of uh, real estate investment that is turned into a luxury stay, so to speak. But it's, it's very um, geographical. So for instance, uh, a larger home in an area where the cost of living is a little bit lower, such as Georgia, it wouldn't take millions of dollars to invest to create a luxury stay. So geogra- geography really has to do with it. So for instance, if I want to stay at a luxury chalet in Paris, that property may have cost millions of dollars. The weekly rate may be $20,000 for that week. However, it's it's very different when it comes to uh, where the property is located. So a standard um, nightly rate of $300 per night, say in California, may not really be meaningful when it comes to luxury. However, in an area where the cost of living is much lower, that property that's charging $300 a night may have some potential. If it's a one-bedroom or two-bedroom, it may have the potential to uh provide a luxury stay. So when it comes to the dollars, I don't want us to get hung up on the dollars per se, when it comes to luxury stays or a luxury property. Again, it's it's geographical. In the Poconos, for instance, I was able to purchase a property at around 180K a few years ago, (laughs) five bedroom. (laughs) Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Five bedroom. four bathrooms, and my rule of thumb is three people per bathroom. So about 12 people uh, could stay at that property, spacious with a pool and a hot tub. It did need some work. I put in about 50K into it. That was a little bit more of a lift back then, but this property is phenomenal. It generates anywhere from $900 to $1,600 a night, uh, depending on the seasonality. Yeah. So, and, and it's the, the design also, you want to put it a great amount of design into it. And, and that just gives you a few numbers. However, if you go to Joshua Tree, California, you know, <laughs> those numbers don't even compute. Right. And so just to go over what the numbers look like, I just wanted to cover that. Yeah. But, that's really, really key. I mean, at least mm-hmm. for us to understand what, what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But in today's economy, if I were to try to purchase that same home today, it would be 600K easily in the Poconos, right? And that's only three years later. Wow. So the prices have, yeah, the prices have increased. So there's a lot of equity there, which is exciting. Uh, But just to give you a gauge. Now, when it comes to modern luxury, the good thing about modern luxury, though, is that it's not necessarily about the accumulation of stuff you know, golden doorknobs or golden toilets. It's really about the accumulation of experiences. And so when it comes to the luxury traveler, they're looking for an authentic experience from the moment 
that the guest is looking at the listing in the photos on Airbnb, Verbo, or um, whichever platform they're using, those photos need to start telling that story that, hey, this looks like it can be a luxury stay. The next step is they're going to take a look at the copywriting, you know, the description of the property. You know, if you can highlight some of the luxury items there, uh, you can start to curate and, and kind of place that seed in their mind that this has the potential to be a luxury stay. And as soon as they inquire and they ask a question and it's responded to in a manner that is professional, that is curious, that is engaging, that starts, that adds up to the potential to be a luxury stay as well. And so there are a lot of great little autoresponders out there that help us out. But if the guests questions aren't getting responded to, and it's just an automatic response, well, that doesn't feel very good, right? Right. And so that's communication. So to me, communication is huge when you're wanting to curate a luxury stay. And that's not very expensive to accomplish, you know, clear communication that you, where you're very, very attentive to your guests and their needs. So if they're there, visiting for vacation versus visiting for a wedding or a funeral, being able to accommodate and to reframe that conversation in a way that shows the guest that you're you're attentive, right there starts to plant that seed that this may be a great day. But from a tactical perspective or from a more tangible perspective, uh, our properties, we have natural fiber linens in there. Anything that touches our guest's skin is going to be nice and soft. Uh, the king size bed, of course, is the travel luxury bed. You know, the guest wants to spread out like the king or the queen that they are. Um, super fast Wi-Fi is no longer a luxury, honestly. It's more of a necessity now. But uh, I do have an article that I publish on Bigger Pockets. You'll find it. It's like my 515 luxury short-term rental tips that won't break the bank because not everything that you do with a property needs to really break the bank when it comes to luxury. The design is going to be sleek, minimalistic. We're not going to fill it up with things because when there are a lot of choxies and decor, just too much of it, it becomes overwhelming and it could be, you know, could be perceived as clutter and that is not a luxury feel. So clean lines, open spaces, and a, a space that's curated to really meet the needs of that client. So families traveling with teens, maybe a, a game room, foosball table, that kind of thing. So when it comes to luxury, especially in the short-term rental realm, there are a lot of properties out there. And I know your li listeners may have a rental property right now that they're using as a long-term rental that can be positioned as a luxury short-term rental. The one caveat, I say there's one caveat to that. And what I've seen is if, that property is in a uh, in an area, of course, where there's no curb appeal from not just at that property per se, because you can impact that property and landscape it or have it landscape very nicely, but the entire neighborhood, if you're pulling up to that neighborhood and the neighboring properties are not landscaped very well, uh, it doesn't have to be professional landscape, but if it looks unkept, run down, vehicles on the grass, on uh, blocks and cinder blocks, that's definitely not going to portray a luxury state. And it's really hard to overcome that look if if you're not able to overcome that. That then you would not be able to market that property as a luxury state. 
Right. Wow. Great, great description. Now, are you currently have 18 properties. Is that correct? Yes. So I own nine of them. Okay. And the others are managed. So I'm managing for other investors gotcha. who, who are healthcare providers like myself primarily who don't want to do or they don't have the bandwidth or the team set up to do the work themselves. And I have two of which that are arbitrage units, which is like a rent to rent or sort of like a master lease. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, are, are you still buying uh, n- uh, new properties to to do this or are you happy with what you have right now? I'm, I'm more than happy, to be honest, uh, Bill, but, you know, every quarter we're looking at numbers. And so I have a property that was a bit older. It was taking up a lot of revenue to get it updated and still lots of little kinks and issues. And so that property was my underperforming property. So I sold that one and the revenue is going towards a new build that I am um working on in Florida. So we, we're always looking to reposition. We're not looking necessarily for a incredible amount of growth in the number of properties, uh, but we're looking to reposition. So if there's something that's really old <laughs> when it comes to short-term rentals, you know, it's either all about the unique properties or um, the newer, the better, because, you know, the capital expenditures for a newer property is going to be less than um, an older property that requires a lot of maintenance. Got it. Yeah, that's that's generally the case. Yeah, with any kind of rental, I think uh, that's a good point. Um, now, do you? Um, wh- what do you say? Like like today, what do you think somebody could um, would pay in the range that you know in dealing with the sort of the markets that you're working with to purchase just purchase the uh, the property itself? Yeah. So what this economy is uh, causing me to do or allowing me to do is to explore. So I love data. I am, I, I've actually dreamt in spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whoa. <laughs> Have you talked to right? a doctor about, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm serious. So if I'm stumped on like getting something to occur on a spreadsheet, like a formula, Oh my goodness, I think about it, I think about it, and then I dream about it. So it's hilarious. But I'm very much a spreadsheet nerd. So I'll download data from uh, different platforms or I'll request data from different data scrapers, such as AirDNA. And then I'll go through that data and highlight which markets look good based on some of that data. And then I'll start doing my research, looking for some boots on the ground to see if I can speak with others who are in that market and others who are. Um, uh, short-term rental operators, realtors, lenders, and that market to see whether or not uh, it'll be a feasible market for me. So one that I discovered like that, and um, one of my students or members of my mastermind, they purchased there recently is Crystal Beach, Texas, which is uh, near Port Bolivar, and it's near uh, Galveston, but it's on the beach. She purchased a tier two property, meaning um not waterfront but right behind that waterfront property now think about that for a second in california imagine the price of waterfront property in florida the price of waterfront property or tier two we're looking at seven figures right so she got that for um 610k wow Um, yeah and and this was in march of this year so not too long ago so 
this is what this market is forcing me to do is just kind of, you know, expanding my horizons a bit more. I'm and, and, and here's the deal. I am looking for, for instance, a, a great property that's going to house my ideal guests. Uh, that could be lakefront, that could be on a beach, that could be near um, an amusement park such as Disney. Um, you know, just those different attributes is is really what I'm looking for. I do have properties in neighborhoods as well. Uh, I'm always getting alerts on those that are going on sale. So I take a peek there as well to see if there's something that's significantly underpriced. And that's how we, you know, we got our first property because the the trustee of that property was out of state, so they did not realize it was $100,000 underpriced, but we knew because it's a market that we know and, you know, we live here. But really, that's what what I'm doing is I'm really expanding uh, all over the U.S. to see what deals are out there. God, that's great. And in the and if it is in a neighborhood, like you said, or um, uh, you you do have pretty high standards so you you want it to be a place where they drive in and they feel that it's you know it mm -hmm. would be a place for a luxury uh stay right yeah absolutely absolutely so that's really important to me like if i were to hop on zillow or realtor.com right now and it's a city that i'm not familiar with i would pull that little uh, maps the little guy on the maps and I will walk him through the street to start to get a vibe of it. I literally do that. And I'm looking to the left, I'm looking to the right, I'm going up and down. And I know that's not the most accurate, but that gives me an opportunity to say, okay, is this something I wanna pursue and reach out to someone in that market or is that just a non-starter? And so that's part of my search. Gotcha. The one part that I really, really want to kind of zero in on here is, uh, you know, and you mentioned it when you were describing what a luxury rental is, is the service aspect. I mean, that that is huge. And uh, I know on Airbnb, you know, if you get if you get the, the bad ratings, um, mm -hmm. boom, you know, it just takes you out of the out of the game. And mm -hmm. um, so in maintaining that, you know, it can be sometimes a bit of a challenge and and and. Uh, you actually offload that, right? You actually have people that are handling the service aspect for it, where you're not actually dealing with uh, any of the, the guests that are coming. And um, you mentioned training some VAs, right? Um, yes. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you kind of dig into that? I mean, because that's huge, you know, putting all of a sudden your, your livelihood here in the hands of somebody you've never probably even met in person and, uh, you know, and just the whole process of, of how you do that. Oh, yeah. So that's, that is such a great question. And my biggest mistake that I made in the beginning was, you know, when you're in that at that point where you just need help and you're desperate for help, oftentimes that's where I make not the most best decision. <laughs> you know, because right. you, you may onboard someone even at, at a part-time level, you're like, just get in here and help and help me do all the things well, is this person really, you know, the most qualified or are they really an expert in the thing that you need help with? And so I found myself kind of beating my head against the wall and creating a whole other job for myself in HR and in, in trying to train and, and uh, correcting and correcting again and revisions and revisions. It's like, this just got harder, you know? And so 
I'm extremely intentional um, now because what happens when you you build your team, when you're looking for your team members, that individual could nearly single-handedly build your whole company on your behalf when you're selecting the right individuals to add to your team. And so this is something I know now, and this is something I take extremely seriously. So initially, um, say my graphics VA or, or someone who has, you know, a different kind of background, um, I would offload some short-term rental tasks to them. And it did, it just was not a good fit, right? Obviously. And so the initial setup, I think was pretty good. Uh, the way I had set up the uh, training plan or the SOP, Standard Operating Procedure, is to pretty much utilize a tool called Loom. It's just a screen recording tool that I would just record my screen and just talk at the screen like we're talking right now and build and say, okay, hello, this is uh, training about um, how to set up XYZ. Okay, first I'm going to do this then I'm going to do that and so on and so forth. All of those screen recordings essentially became my initial standard operating procedure library. So as I completed a task, I went ahead and added to the library. I titled it with the intention that this is something I need to hand off to someone else. That part was good. So you, you were doing it by yourself at that time, right? Or Yeah, okay. by myself. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. by myself so i began with the end in mind but uh when i went to source that someone else i didn't specifically source someone for the short-term rentals and so i was sourcing someone that could just kind of help me with all the things and that was a big mistake and so that individual you know was more like an assistant rather than a short-term rental expert and so i learned quickly uh, to look for someone who has expertise in short-term rentals. And I kid you not, when you find the right who for your business, the right person for your business, they have the potential of doing even a better job than you. And so I had to think to myself, well, who is the best qualified individual for this position? And my goal was to find that individual and I determined it would be an Airbnb ex-employee and I sourced a team of Airbnb ex-employees and they are crushing it. They can resolve issues quicker than me. I have a, a case manager on my team. So if there's an issue, they know the terminology, they know what to attach, what types of attachments uh, they need to add to a um, uh, resolutions um, file to get them approved and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, that's, Pretty much. Wow. How do you do that? How do you find, I mean, that's pretty amazing finding, yeah. um, you know, former employees. Uh, gosh, I mean, yeah. it is, uh, and, and are they working full-time for you? Or are they working part-time? Yeah. So I, I, for the guest communication side or the concierge team, there are three of them. So one is full-time and actually two are full-time and one is part-time. We have coverage from 8 a.m. Uh, local to 9 p.m. local. So it's not 24-hour coverage, but the the guests, they have a number to call in case of emergency, So, which is rare once every two months or three months, we'll get a call like that. Right, right. Yeah, like you may have that person that's a late check-in that comes in after nine, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and 
you know, they don't know how to operate the code or something on the door. Exactly. Yeah. Um, wow. And and then, of course, cleaners are just local, right? Yeah. Do you oversee them or does the concierge uh, oversee the cleaners? I oversee them um, mainly, but on a, I would say on a second removal level, I do have a cleaner manager that oversees all of them and they communicate with the concierge all the time. So if there's a late checkout issue, the concierge or someone, you know, and if we can accommodate a late checkout, the the concierge would alert the cleaners and and let them know. And they do a lot of coordination of what of those types of things. If there are missing towels, the concierge will get a message from the guests and they'll they'll um, message the the cleaners. And so, from a weekly perspective, in weekly meetings is where uh, I can share metrics and share what's going on and any future changes and let them air out any. <laughs> issues or provide suggestions on, you know, on a weekly basis. So we all meet together weekly. That's great. And, and your cleaner manager, um, does she, she manages even the ones in different states as well? No, no. Oh, okay. so that's just the ones in the Poconos. But I will tell you in different states um, where there are different markets, I, my, my business model is a little bit different. So if I'm in a state where there's a plethora of cleaners, I actually use a, an app called Turnover B&B. Yes, I'm familiar with that one. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. That one's been working out really well for me in uh, Georgia uh, market for sure. But in the Poconos, when, when you're in some of these more rural markets where the there's a labor shortage and the workforce um, is a bit challenged, um, having a team that's dedicated to your facilities, if you have multiple, is going to be really the key to, to running that type of business. And so that's what we found to work the best is just having a dedicated team. And what's great about the manager, she's also responsible for quality assurance. And we use a, a channel where we all communicate and you know, whether uh, a cleaner got an A plus <laughs> for for the work they did or a D because there are a lot of gaps, you know, that's on full display from an accountability perspective. Yeah. How do you, I mean, on a remote situation like that, uh, how are you able to check on the quality of their work if you're not there or don't have somebody else overseeing them? Yeah. So we use a, a an app called Slack, which is just a communication app. But what I love about Slack is there are channels in there. And so we have channels for the hot tub uh, and they're required to add the photo of the hot tub in there that day. So I'm checking on things like clarity. Is the water nice and clear? Um, I'm checking the information from the panel. Uh, I, I like the temperature to be just so. I'm checking on the level of the water, if it's too high or if it's too low. I provide that kind of feedback. So in this economy, if you have an iPhone, you're pretty golden, right? Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) You're pretty golden because that's a lot of the work that we do is via photos, FaceTime video, and that's made possible with having, you know, a phone, really. And, and your cleaners replenish supplies uh, as well, like coffee and sugar, creamer, things like that? They do. Yes, they do. 
That's great. That's great. Well, well, actually, no, 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 not not in the no, they do not. I provide oh. all of that. So they they will take it from storage. Oh, so you have it in the storage and they kind of yes. let you know what's in the storage. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. No, they don't provide them themselves. They just do the actual labor associated with setting up the coffee and all of that. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Wow. Well, this is a this is just an amazing story. Um, I imagine you know since you did this from scratch yourself. I, I mean, I, I don't even know if you even had a mentor to get started. But um, um, it doesn't sound like it sounds like you just kind of figured it out as you went along. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you must have encountered, you know, some mistakes <laughs> here oh, and there. Uh, you, what would you say sort of one of your biggest mistakes was um, in, in you know, starting off and, and doing this? Yeah, and I just wanted to caveat real quick. Oh, sure. Although I started on my own, but I, I consider someone like you, Bill, a great mentor because I consumed probably – 2000 hours of podcast information on short-term rentals, you know, wow. so that was the beginning of my mentorship. It's like mentorship from a distance. And eventually I joined um, a, a mastermind after I, you know, got to a level, but I did uh, join a mentor, just a general real estate mentor as well. She helped me a lot with structuring acquisitions which was really, really amazing uh, and and very helpful. So, yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Your mentors don't have to always be someone in person. You can definitely leverage great books and and great podcasts to start getting that information going. And then you you need to shoot your shot, right? You need to just go for it, right? And then so I went for it and you make your mistakes and that's when you realize, you know what, there's someone out there who's better at this than me who can help me out. <laughs> but it's it's really good to give it a try first, I think. So one of the, um, well, I think one of my biggest mistakes is actually not starting sooner, <laughs> like everyone would say, right? Right. But um, I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier is adding the wrong people to my team. Uh, was one of the biggest mistakes because there there's a cost that comes with that right because mm-hmm. my goal was to reduce the amount of hours that i was working and when i took a, a big step back and looked at the entire you know <laughs> blueprint so to speak of my life i'm like i'm working more than ever i'm trying to quit my nine to five but i'm working 24 hours a day you know <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man so that didn't make sense and so wanting to you know find labor that was very very affordable or cheap <laughs> i was right. trying to go really really cheap but in the long run it didn't serve me well and so investing a little bit more in someone who has the expertise uh paid for itself in dividends no that's uh that's great 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 information um how about uh, your biggest success? What uh, what did you do that just was a game changer? Honestly, for me, it was that property that when I added the dynamic pricing tool, uh, when I thought about it, I was thinking, okay, this property is going to yield eight or $9,000 a month. I got real excited. But once I, I turned it on, the pricing tool listed the property for 20, for 30 days at $28,000 for 30 days. <laughs> Did you think it was a mistake? I mean, like, what is this yes. thing doing? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I really, I sincerely thought it was a mistake. And I, and I know that 
you often need to train the AI on the pricing tool. So when I saw that number, I was like, oh, the AI is off. Okay, so let me see what I can tweak to start training it. Um, maybe changing the uh, maximum daily rate and placing a ceiling on that. And I started to troubleshoot that. But before I could make any changes, someone booked the property for 28,000. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so amazing. Yeah. Was that that wasn't the the place that you got for one hundred eighty thousand? Was it? No, this one was for four hundred and sixty thousand. Okay. The mortgage was twenty five hundred a month. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you paid it how many times over? <laughs> wow, that is amazing. That is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, very cool. So you do utilize uh, a lot of the you know the the various applications and uh, uh, that that you know, that make it a lot easier for you to do your job well, right? Yeah, yeah. And all you really need is two to start is a channel manager that helps to deconflict your calendars if you're both on Airbnb and Verbo and a dynamic pricing tool. That's all you really need to start. Right, right. That's great. Another great piece of advice. Well, uh, our target audience are folks that are 50 years of age and older, and they are either approaching retirement and already retired, and they're looking at generating additional cash flow for themselves. But they don't want to really, I think for the most part, don't want it to be a, a you know a real labor-intensive type of investment. So um, what would you say to those folks um, in terms of what you do? Uh, that would you know fit with those those needs, and sometimes they're just actually looking to grow their nest egg. They don't really want to, um, you know, they don't want to have to have to deal with a lot of you know uh, you know calls in the middle of the night and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, and and I can appreciate that because I know what it means to really be in the trenches. My biggest advice would be take a look at short-term rentals. Don't just give up on it because it is active. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, it is active. However, you don't have to do it on your own. If you can partner with someone like a co-host that takes care of all the guest communication, and if you want to tinker with the listing and the pricing and, and play around with that, if that's your jam, certainly you can do that. You can do it. You can do it, but just don't do it on your own. <laughs> and so find that support because I really think short-term rentals is a movement. And I, I think for the old dogs, I would love for you guys, if you're interested to, to participate in this amazing investment strategy. Strategy. That's great, great. And uh, could somebody just get one house? And um, and if they got just one house, I mean, what what kind of a monthly you know net uh, could they expect? Uh, you know, for a, a luxury rental. Yeah, definitely. And my mantra is how do I own and operate the fewest number of properties that generates the highest profitability? One house can fit the bill for sure. So it is again going to be um, location specific. So there are homes, for instance, in Georgia, there's a two bedroom uh, that I have a client who, who has a two bedroom that is making 52,000 a year. And that home uh, is I think her mortgage is about $700 a month. So you do the math on that. She's got to set up really cute two bedrooms, you know, 52,000 a year. That's a whole a, job. A two bedroom. Wow. That's, yes. that is amazing. And do you know what is her, I know it ranges, it changes constantly, but sort of a daily rate 
for that home? Daily rate is anywhere from 189 to $267 is what I saw last time I checked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is it in a, you know, sort of a hot tourist area or anything like that? No, it's in a a little bit of a higher cost of living area. Uh, she purchased this little unit years and years ago in the south of Atlanta market in the sub- suburbia, suburbia, I want to say 10 years ago. Um, no HOA, no nothing like that. And it it's, I mean, we her current guest, I was just doing a consultation with her, her current guest, unfortunately, um, his house caught on fire, which is strange how many houses catch on fire by this <laughs> yeah, house. really right it's it's bizarre it's and before getting into short-term rentals i didn't realize that that was a thing but his house caught on fire and he's staying there um right now and for the seven nights it was twenty four hundred dollars for these particular seven nights it's around memorial day which is incredible yeah that's amazing is that an insurance uh uh, deal? I mean, uh, were the insurance companies paying? It usually is. This one is he's paying out of pocket right now because he needs to be somewhere and the insurance is doing the adjusting. And so, you know, once, you know, they start to pay out, he's going to be there for several months. And that's the thing with the insurance deals. they It's not going to be a two week quick fix or a 30 day quick fix. So with these, um, you typically have the guests there anywhere from three months to a year. If you missed the first episode, she talked about that a little bit more in detail, how the insurance deals end up being some of the most lucrative. Um, it's a just, a, it's a amazing. <laughs> so that is wild. That is really, really neat. Um, good, good stuff. And just to, you know, just on an aside too, now, do you decorate all the houses yourself? I do. It's something I discovered later in life that I that's my superpower is decorating. How <laughs> cool. That's great. I, I, I really like it, but I do have a designer that comes in and kind of un, undoes. undoes. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, uh, she hits undo on some things and she'll leave some things. So I'll have her come in and take a, take a peek at it as well uh, to give her seal of approval. But I, I do. I really love the design side of it. But I have, you know, members in my community who just don't have the bandwidth or the time. And so she goes in and she orders, helps them order everything and and gets it delivered for them. And they can, you know, if they have boots on the ground or there's a task rabbit in the area that can take care of it, putting together the furnishings for them. Everything is is figureoutable, Bill. You can always <laughs> hire someone to help you. I like that word, figureoutable. I'm going to add that one. Yeah. <laughs> That is great. You no, know, it's well, it's your attitude too. I mean, you know, a lot of people can go into this and the first thing that goes wrong, you know, it's, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm out of here. I'm I'm selling it or I'm going to go back to long-term rentals or whatever. But, but overall, oh, gosh, you know, and, and, and I've, haven't I mean I haven't done to no nowhere near the the scale that you have, but um, you know just the Airbnbs I had yes. always outperform <laughs> my regular long term rentals mm-hmm. and it just uh, it's killer it's killer. Um, well, this is this is really exciting that you um, I mean you've you've done all of this and uh, on your own and tell us you know about what what excites you about your business and and what you see ahead in the future uh, you know especially you know what what excites you about the future of your business. I just think the future is bright 
for short-term rentals. And what excites me the most right now is really creating a platform for busy professionals, healthcare professionals who are dealing with burnout, burnout, who just want to get off of the struggle bus, right? <laughs> and enjoy life a little bit. And so I, I love it all, you know, again, all you need is one or two to really change the trajectory of your life. If you listen to the numbers that I'm talking about, you don't need that many. And so that's what excites me about the business. Less can really be more. Oh, that's that's neat. Yeah, I mean, you just don't have your your rentals. You also do other things, right? And and can you kind of yeah, just get, tell us about that because that's part so of your business part of too, my right? Now is I've had the good fortune of helping others who are looking and wanting to learn how to buy and fund and set up and design and launch your short-term rentals. And so from end to end, I'm able to take them through a digital course and uh, go through coaching. Part of my um, model is I actually have my designer on staff as a coach, my revenue manager on staff as a coach as well. And if someone has an issue with uh, their nightly rates or any issue that can come up, I have a team that can help troubleshoot it. So I can do it myself, but there's nothing like bringing additional experts to the table to get a whole new perspective. And so I've, I, I've absolutely been loving seeing the transformations that are happening uh, within within my community, because what, what I want to take away and remove from people's mind is the the myths and and the just the lack of knowledge out there. I was speaking with a, a client a little bit earlier as well, and just not knowing, not knowing uh, has caused her to lose so much money in short-term rentals. She has a beautiful two-bedroom, two-bath. This is a different client. And she had her maximum guests for, for the last couple of years. Maximum guest count is three guests. And, and that may not sound outrageous, but for that property, she could have easily hosted four guests, which is the typical and the most searched for count. So she's not showing up in searches. And so these are small tweaks and nuances that you can't necessarily Google and find on your own. But if you are in a community of individuals who are supporting each other, helping one another and showing your listings and sharing, hey, I'm really struggling with this. You know, the support is definitely there. There's nothing like learning, you know, with your peers so that they could, you know, cheer you on when things are going well or or pick you up when they're not. And that's the difference of, you know, being in that community versus a podcast. My podcast could never really pick me up when things weren't going well, but they did serve their purpose. So I'm super excited about helping, you know, individuals who are wanting to, to launch their very first or their next luxury short-term rental or even optimize the one that they have right now. Oh, that's great. That's great. Are you sort of paying off your properties or accelerating that, or are you just kind of keeping those at, at, at what they are and, and you know, using the tax advantages there? Yeah, I'm keeping them at where they are. Sometimes I will tap into the equity if I find a really good deal to do a cash out refi, like a, or a Burr B&B is what I call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. If, so if I want to buy something else, I'll do a cash out refi, but I'm, I'm not accelerating paying off um, the properties right now. I, I would recommend it. Uh, I believe maybe in 10 years or 15 years, I may uh, shift towards that. But for now I'm in, 
acquisition mode and repositioning mode. So it's a little bit of a different mindset, whether it's right or wrong. I'm not exactly sure, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we have uh, kind of moved to the end of our, our second part here of this uh, great series. Um, and we have a, a session we call Wrap It Up. And I ask you a series of kind of quick uh, questions. It's sort of a, a lightning round thing. And uh, you give, you know, provide resources and so forth that you uh, have used that might be of value to our listeners. So if you're ready, we can go ahead and, and wrap it up. Awesome. All right. First question, favorite real estate book? My favorite real estate book was actually Brandon Turner's The Book on Rental Property Investing. That's a great and- book. Yeah. And the reason I love that is because it helped me to get unstuck and and just to take action. Mm, Good one. Uh, How about just a favorite general business book? Ooh, I've got a favorite one I've been reading lately, The Gap and the Gain. Hmm, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, great. Um, How about uh, a website that you use on a regular basis, almost a daily basis that's of value to you and the success of your business? Uh, as it relates to real estate, Bigger Pockets is a website that I use for a long time on a day-to-day basis. Uh-huh. Uh, you can connect with other individuals, and so they they work on trying to form that community of real estate investors. So I found it to be helpful. Yeah, that's a, that was that was mine too, and uh, yeah, <laughs> still enjoy it. But in the beginning, it's really uh, really helpful, especially networking. Mm-hmm. Um, how about a favorite app? Oh, I have several. So, of course, iTunes, the podcasting app, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for general real estate, I, I like this app called PropStream. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where I could kind of creep around and look at people's homes that I may want to buy and look at their demographic and maybe send, up, send them some letters and that kind of thing. So I like PropStream for that. Other than that, I like AirDNA uh, for data analysis. Mm-hmm. I use another one called Data Rabu for data analysis as well. And Price Labs is my dynamic pricing tool that I love. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, that's, that's great. Uh, how about a favorite quote? Mm, Warren Buffett, if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work until you die. Oh, that's a, that's a really good one. <laughs> wow. Okay, now this one a little more challenging here. Um, if you lost absolutely everything, all your assets, all your properties, everything, and you had to start over, you know, knowing what you already know, and you only had one thousand dollars in cash, what would you do with that one thousand dollars to relaunch your real estate investing business? Honestly, um, there are these memberships that are out there. Uh, one that I'm a part of is like a little RIA that costs $40 a month. I would join that RIA not only to educate myself and troubleshoot what happened, why did I lose everything, right? That means maybe I need to reposition or educate, but the connection with the other investors uh, for me, that would be key. If I could work with one of them, support them in working their deals, working it. Look, I have laid flooring. I will lay flooring if I have to <laughs> to get in on a deal, you know? So I think that's what I would do, knowing what I know now. Oh, that's great. Great advice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow. Rachel, this has been awesome. Man, I just I think it's going to be a 
a show that a lot of people are going to appreciate. How can people reach you? Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that want to find out about these great trainings you have and in Mastermind and all that. Uh, um, what's the best way for folks to do that? The best way is to um, grab my free list of the top 75 U.S. cities with the highest profitability. So if you go to 75 gems, that's seven, the number seven, the number five, G-E-M-S dot com. That will uh, provide you of my list, my go-to. This is a list that I'm actually using to uh, invest in my next properties. Uh, and then that will definitely get you on my little newsletter list where I can connect with you and share with you any trainings that I have going on in the week and we can connect that way. Excellent. That's great. Wow. Well, uh, we have a tradition here. Um, <laughs> she already knows about that tradition. Um, that you know, all of our guests close us out with the best howl that they have. Now, I know you know. I I mean, you're you know down south there. There's a lot of hound dogs around, right? You know. <laughs> so, are you ready for this? I don't know, but I can give it a go. <laughs> okay. All right. Give it your best. Here we go. <laughs> that was good. That was great, Rachel. I was it kind of you know reminds me of those little Haitian dogs that ran all over Port-au-Prince, you know. <laughs> I am so dead. <laughs> that is hilarious. Though. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for being on. I cannot thank you enough. You are awesome, awesome guest, awesome person. The pleasure is absolutely mine thank you so much phil i appreciate you oh well appreciate you and i also want to thank all our old dog listeners out there that are, are joining us and i know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot and we really appreciate it. Now, please note, old dog listeners, everything presented here today, including the links, can be accessed in our detailed show notes on the Old Dogs REI Network. And that's olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And you're going to look for the episode with uh, Rachel Gainsborough. That'll get you into these great things and the links to this cool list she's talking about, the 75 areas, and give you access to contact her as well. Well, well, that's the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king and real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.